Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a clothes rail, and I love film. As Louis Lamour once said, start writing no matter what. The water does not flow until the faucet is turned on. But take a break to watch Minari. It really is quite something. You should see it. Yeah, I like that film very much. Nice one, Louis Lemore, if that is your real name. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone, James Acaster, Jamila Jamil, and even Bed Crambles. But this week is the amazing Maisie Williams. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 15 minutes with Maisie. We talk in depth about beginnings and endings. You get a secret from her. There's no video this week, but you can get videos for most of the other episodes. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free. Other stuff as well. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Your two TV missions, as always, are to watch season one of Ted Lasso on the Apple TV Plus app and season one of Soulmates on Amazon Prime. One will make you very happy, the other will make you question your relationships. I can now announce who my live guest will be at the Films to be Buried with live podcast on July 3rd at the Underbelly Festival. Google it, you can find tickets there. I will be doing Films to be Buried with live with Taskmaster's brilliant Sarah Kendall. That's right, Sarah Kendall and me doing Films to be Buried with live in person. Come along. I might even wear a suit. If it's not too hot, I probably won't. I will. Who knows? Surprise. You'll have to buy a ticket to find out. Hopefully see you all there. It'll be a right old knees up. All right. So, Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams is an actor and now a podcaster. She does lots of other things. She built an app. She's up to all sorts. I'd never met her or spoken to her before this recording. We recorded it over Zoom. And it was so much fun. I absolutely loved her company. We had a lot of interesting deaf chat. We had fun chat. However, I would like to put a little content warning or a trigger warning. I never know the right way to do it. But just in case, if these sort of things affect you, probably best to know about it, right? About 30 minutes into this one, we do talk about imagery and film of sexual violence and possibly suicidal stuff. And if that's something that you wish to avoid, you can skip that bit. I'd skip between sort of 30 and 40 and you'd be fine. The rest of it's fine. It's all lovely stuff. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 151 of Films to be Buried with. Hello 
and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a tech billionaire supervillain, <laughs> an internet inventor, a killer of ice kings, a oh, yeah. wonder of worlds, a girl with and without face, and a hero to us all. Please welcome to the show, the brilliant, it's Maisie Williams! Well, that, thank you, that was... I did this university tour once and now I know what my Wikipedia says because every single person said the exact same thing whenever I came out. (laughs) None of them, your intro is the most unique that I've ever had. (laughs) Everyone everyone knows you're an internet super uh, super villain app tech billionaire, right? (laughs) That's the first thing that comes up. Oh yeah, that's like number one on uh, on Wikipedia. (laughs) <laughs> it's very nice to have you here Maisie thank you for doing this let's just have a quick check-in are you in your house are you safe are you well yeah very good I spend a lot of time in my house even before yeah. the pandemic so I'm here at home just vibing and I'm doing well how are you how are you getting on I'm good thank you for thank you for asking I am <laughs> c- calling to you from my attic where I live <laughs> just me this Muppets poster and some weird bullet holes behind me that we don't need to yeah. discuss. <laughs> okay. Maisie Williams, I want to ask you many things. Now, and, and please, you, you can stop me at any point because you're probably very bored of talking about Game of Thrones. We don't talk about it a lot. But that is, that is what I n- knew you from to begin with. And yeah. I was quite late to Game of Thrones. I thought it was very, very excellent. I ended up being like a binger person because I, which was actually the upside of being late to it was that I didn't have to wait. But you were very young. You were 12 when you started that. And that's like the biggest show in the whole world. And I'm fascinated by people like you in the same way I'm fascinated by people who grew up in Vegas is like now you are older and have, I'm sure, more perspective on everything. Do you know how mad that was? Or did it feel normal because you were so young? Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, I think in hindsight, it was like quite big. But I feel like when we were on it, everyone kept saying that. But then you have that sort of part of your brain that goes, you're just saying that. You're just saying that because I'm on it, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. When I look back, I it was quite a lot. <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. You, is there, was there... As it was happening, you were a teenager, like that's a formative time. And I guess you were you are incredibly famous during that very formative time. And I don't know. I don't yeah. know what my question is other than was that difficult? And I and I imagine it was and I I'm asking <laughs> are you was it? I imagine that's a very strange it's a strange experience at any age, but being also teenager, madness. Totally. Weirdly I feel like I actually uh, went through like a bigger, you know, like change and like mm. my real formative years were sort of the years since the show ended. And now, because even though I was going through that time of like growing up and being different and, you know, because I was like on the show and because I was sort of doing that very publicly and 
you're constantly reminded of everything that you said and did a year ago. So it's really hard to sort of move away from any yeah. of those things. And so I actually felt like, even though it's like the formative years where you change and develop and grow up, I actually felt a bit stuck, I think, for for a couple of years. And so, mm. yeah, I, I although I definitely sort of did grow up, I think really the biggest change has come since I, I ended the show, just because it's so hard to do that publicly without having a bit of space. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah so interesting and and so then do you feel now because you're it's so it seems like you're making lots of really brilliant interesting creative fascinating you're doing lots of stuff now all of which is excellent all of which is sort of diverse and is it like do you feel a freedom because you have the huge success of Game of Thrones or do you feel any pressure of like I have to do uh, everything has to be at that level or do you actually feel free from that now? Yeah, no, I feel so free from that. I've Everyone always said, you know, like when this finishes, you're going to be 21 and you're going to have your whole life ahead of you and you could do anything you want. And yeah. when it did first finish, I was like, I don't want to do anything apart from being <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I sort of asked that question, like, you know, is there a lot of pressure now? But really, like, there's just so much else to do. Like, the yeah. industry is so massive. And I have so many other things that I really love to do and I'm good at. And so it's just like, there's so much more to life than yeah. feeling stuck that you have to now do another show that, you know, was unlike anything and play a character who, you know, redefined 12-year-old characters forever you like yeah, it, yeah. that is so it really is quite niche to be honest with you even though it was quite very successful <laughs> yeah. like it's there's not a lot of things like that so doing yeah. something new and interesting and different is it's actually kind of kind of easy if you're if you're not hung up on the things that don't really matter you know i do you're like you're like kanye now like can't, there was a long period of time where Kanye was like, I'm, I'm number one. I always want to be number one. And then he was like, you know what? I've been number one. Now I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm just going to make art. And I feel like that's what he did. It went into yeah. some of the best albums after that point. Hard agree. Hard agree. <laughs> now, um, I've forgotten to tell you something. Oh, no. And uh, it's just struck me. When I was refreshing, you know, when we had a little sort of glitch and I refreshed it and a reminder popped up on my screen and it said remember to tell Maisie Williams it said remember to tell her and I was like oh, fuck because we'd been talking for eight minutes and I was like I sh really should have said this when we met I feel like a dick uh what the uh, the reminders it said uh remember to, uh, it's so mad because you have technology and it should tell you you know it should do the thing it's do it's a reminder but it it hadn't refreshed and uh, it popped up then and I was oh I was in, I'm embarrassed but it, I have to tell you you've you've died you're dead oh no I know and I'm so sorry I forgot to tell you stop wait I don't get to say goodbye I mean uh, you can say goodbye to me I'll, I'll listen but <laughs> you're point... here with me what does this mean where are we it, listen, it's a complicated premise, <laughs> and we can and we can get into it. But firstly, you have to tell me how did you die? What's your ideal death or fantasy death? Doesn't have to be ideal. Um. Well, I guess right now, I could probably die from drinking too much coffee, and my heart explodes. 
Wow. Okay. That's the first coffee death we'd have. Really? How many coffees is too many coffees? How many? Well, how, many how much is coffee to death? When it's iced, Ooh. it doesn't. It's not real. I'm a yeah. genius. There's no caffeine when it's iced. <laughs> what you didn't realize is you coffeed your heart at the same time that you froze your brain. You had brain freeze, ice cream freeze. Heart. Completely overstimulated and then my heart exploded. Like that? Yeah. No pain? Instant? Well, yeah, pretty instant. There's no one to blame. People are like, you know, a freak accident. Hmm. I can deal with that. Okay. She died doing what she loves. <laughs> Drinking iced coffees. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you worry about death, Maisie Williams? I think I am very, very afraid of death. Yeah. But I'm like trying to work on that because I think that if you live your life scared of death, then it actually makes your life not as easy to live. Go on. Why, why, why you say this? Well, I think if your existence really is like these 70 or 80 years or more, if you're lucky, and afterwards it's just sort of that's it. And I wasn't really raised like in a religious family or or with many sort of religious teachings but it can be quite overwhelming to think like does anything that I do really matter or like does you know and I think that you can live your life and just be so lost to finding purpose or meaning or reason and especially when you're famous because it all just all of a sudden is like completely heightened and yeah I feel like if if you're afraid of death because when you die it just all ends and nothing else happens afterwards then it kind of makes it really hard to enjoy the finite time that you are here I think although yeah. I haven't really figured it out this is the first time I've said it out loud so don't know that, that that makes sense there's a, there's a, the the other angle on that is for some people I think this fear of death can make you live more life because you go well I better get on with it because death is coming Totally, yes. But I also know there is a crippling fear of death, so don't leave the house because <laughs> you might die. Yeah, but it's not even in that sense. It is more just like, I'm not afraid that I, I'm going to die and it's going to be horrible. It's more just like that this life is going to end and that happens every day. And what does it all mean? Why do we exist to try and make the world a better place if we do just, you know, die? You know, like, why do we yeah. do that? Animals don't do that. Like, why do we, like, care? Why do I, why should my mum want to make the planet better for me? Like, I just, I think yeah. it's strange. And so, yeah. yeah, maybe there is more meaning to life and death. And maybe it doesn't just end. Why does your mum want to make the world a better place for you? Well, just because she's got, like, a guilty conscience, right? Right. Sort of cultural upbringing. Yeah. She, like wants to improve this earth and it's just like a strange thing no other animal does that that's fascinating so you're saying if you if you and me could really decide that it's all meaningless we could go on a massive killing spree totally there's literally nothing like stopping it like if it, nothing means anything then why do like why do we not you know yeah I mean, I'm in. I'm, I'm like saying, you know, being like, please agree with me right now. I <laughs> know, oh, I agree. With, I, not only do I agree with you, but I'm like, let's wrap up this podcast and go on a killing spree because you're absolutely right. It's all fucking pointless. <laughs> do you, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting in terms of 
legacy you're talking a bit about legacy as well like what what do we leave behind and does it matter and all that and mm. and actually genuinely if I may it's an interesting thing you 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 have this take Game of Thrones it's a perfect example it's a big kind of cultural what's the word artifact is it it's a it's a thing and it and it and it's huge Mm. what is that in a hundred years a hundred years time does anyone Mm -hmm. talk about it did it did it continue to influence did it or is it just someone one one day finds a dvd in a you know what i mean and and if so what's the point let's go on a killing spree (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess uh yeah I just, um, I do, I do understand that sort of like things can last forever and the mark you leave on the, you know, on the, Mm. the world and, you know, the art that you make or, you know, stories that we tell and how that, you know, lives on. But, um, yeah, it's like wanting to put some meaning into that. So as it can last forever, um, I think that that's just like a strange thing. That we all try and sort of say and do with our like careers or life, especially in the creative industries. Like you want to want to make something mm. that moves people and that you know lasts and 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 it's just an interesting thing to me because you're gonna die. <laughs> and what like is is that why people have kids because they just want this legacy to keep going? You want someone to worship something. all of the things that you've done. <laughs> Yeah, you'll remember, won't do. you? <laughs> yeah, this is the tragedy of kids. Is I think people have it so they'll be worshipped, and then kids kids come out and go, "You're a dickhead." You go, "Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. I had you to worship. You me. ruined me. Now <laughs> I have to, I have to go to therapy for all the things that you've yeah. done. <laughs> you were meant to worship me. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely fascinating. What? Uh, I mean, I could talk about this for a lot longer, but what uh, what do you, do you think there is an afterlife? What do you think happens when you die? I hope so. Hope something great happens. I don't know. It would be really nice to come back here and get another go. You know, that would be cool. But because I'm here and I'm not conscious of a life that I've had before now, then you probably won't realise that you're there for a second time. And so will you do better than last time? Will you, you know, mm. do we only have that like... I feel like I'm just going off on tangents. This is too much coffee. No, honestly, this is exactly the, the good <laughs> shit. This is the good shit. But yeah, like we'll, uh, yeah, without the knowledge that you, this is your second chance, like will yeah. you actually live life with inhibition and do it better, you know? Do you think, I, I've started noticing this thing in life, which has made me think about that, the reincarnation thing, because I do always think, I've said it before on this podcast, I'll say it again, just in case, but I do think the idea of reincarnation is very inefficient because you don't know you come back but you don't remember what you what you learned last time yeah so it's like well this is a pointless system at least give us the yeah previously on previously on your life this happened remember this but then I noticed in real life it is like a game in that I think I've noticed you have like a level you're you're stuck on a level because there's a relationship there's a, a situation that keeps coming up in your life Mm. And you don't ever move beyond that situation unless you finally beat the end of level boss, <laughs> unless yeah, you learn exactly. the thing and step up. And then that thing stops coming into your to your life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. But like the real mystery is that the end of level boss isn't something that you like defeat and overcome and get through. It's like something that you actually just try and give less meaning to. And then you just like sail. You're like, blowing my mind. Yeah. The end of, the end of level boss is just stepping aside. Yeah, it's not like conquering and like 
we when we make games, we're we're getting it all wrong. That's not that's not what actually happens in the game of life. It's acceptance, not resistance. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I now don't know if the killing really spree is the there. right thing to do. Yeah. Maybe but then. I, but, but I've packed up the car, so we're still going. <laughs> but I've wiped my presence from the internet, and I'm ready to ruin my life. <laughs> yeah, we we are. We, listen, we're going to leave a legacy one way or another. That's, that's Actually, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, but then the only other side of it is, you know, the idea in Coco that I think about a lot that you know you live as long as you are remembered, basically. You mm. die, but on the other side, you are still there as long as you're remembered. Yeah. But what if you don't want that? Yeah. What if you really want to, and you're stuck and people keep talking about you, like, oh, God, please shut up. I, I was trying to... Just let me go. I just want to sleep, and you're still chatting about me. So yeah. that is maybe the danger of our killing spree. That's like um, like Bing Bong on Inside oh, Out. don't. He just wants don't. to be talk, spoken about one more time. Bing Bong. Just stop talking about me. I'm ready. Leave me alone. (laughs) Let me go. Bing bong. We're still talking about him. Yeah. Never forget. He's never Never gone. Um, Well, listen, there is a heaven as it goes. You can visit it before you come back for your next round. And I'm going to, because I've got some sway up there. Next time you go back round, I'm going to give you a little bag of tricks from, from your previous life to remember. Just don't tell anyone else because not everyone gets it. Anyway, in heaven, it's great. It's got all your favourite things. What's your favourite thing? Films. What was your favourite thing? I just said films. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's got loads of them. <laughs> or coffee. <laughs> it's got coffee. The, the very thing that killed you. It's everywhere, but this time it's safe. And uh, in heaven, all they want to do is talk about your life through film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing, Maisie Williams? The Iron giant what an opener yeah i love that film how did you see it did you see it at the cinema or on telly do you remember yeah it was just on telly like in like a film like a video and i just always thought it was really funny how the guy is trying to say hogarth when he reads hogarth's name on the little rifle that's been chewed up and he, instead of saying Hogarth because he's in such a rush, he just goes, hog, hog. And I <laughs> have always loved that bit. <laughs> uh, did you see it? Do you remember? Did you? I, I don't know this stuff, if you don't mind. Are you an only child? Do you have brothers and sisters? Are you... Yeah, no, I'm the youngest of four. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I think it was. Were in... you all together? Were you on your own? Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember watching it with my siblings, but I also remember watching it a couple of times with my mum alone as well, because I'm the youngest. But yeah, with my siblings, I think. Okay. I don't really remember the room, I just remember the film. Just your mum sitting next to you as you watch the film and her whispering in your ear, worship me. (laughs) (laughs) You will remember this and love this. This It'll be a fond Uh, memory for the rest of your life. That's a very, that's that's a cracking film. What's um what's the film that scared you the most? And do you like being scared? Now I do like watching scary films and freaking myself out. And I think it's probably because I watched Signs by M. Night Shyamalan when I was maybe like 
six or five or something. Yeah. So my mum and my dad have always been divorced. And so at my mum's house, we would watch Iron Giant. And at my dad's house, we would watch <laughs> Signs. So, yeah, I just have, yeah, really awful memory when one of the aliens just, like, comes in front of the porch and yeah. all of the kids are at the party and they're all screaming and I just, like, yeah, it ruined my life. <laughs> I've never been the same. There was, like, my childhood up until that point and then just, like, the rest. Sides. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and, what, and how come now you like it? What changed, do you think? I don't know. There's something, something quite amazing about feeling like terrified. I don't know. Like when, when, the, when you can just feel like your blood pound, your heart pounding and like you have like the duvet all the way up to your like chin and you're so scared, but you're so hot. And then you're just like, uh, there's so much danger. And I think like watching films like really makes me f- well the scary films like yeah. makes me feel that way and I don't know I just I kind of I mean I hate it but I really like it as well yeah. it's like it, it's yeah. not like oh this feels amazing I'm not even scared it's like no I'm terrified but I just I like that feeling <laughs> yeah I do too yeah I, I love it what about crying are you a crier I used to cry a lot more watching films mm-hmm. I haven't cried watching a film in a little while what's the what's the film that made you cry the most it's a film called Never Let Me Go, and it's based on yeah. a book. It's by Alex Garland. Well, it was, it was adapted by Alex Garland. Kira Knightley uh, and... Yeah. Talk um, about death and what it all means yeah. and harvesting your organs and, <laughs> you know, maybe that's what happens. It's like, is that The Island? Is that the, is that a film called The Island? Yeah, uh, yeah, The Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With you McGregor. Maybe that's Spiders. what happens when we die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's obviously just like mortifying because they just have so much hope that their life is going to be different and have more meaning or... Yeah, and I think the performances are incredible. Kira Knightley is phenomenal mm. in it. Um, Andrew Garfield and Kerry Mulligan. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's film. a really underrated film. It wasn't really liked no, when I it know. came out. It's and I don't good. really know why. Yeah. I never really understand those things. It's literally a film that I re-watch. Like I watch it all the time and like there's not a lot of films that are made that you really do that with anymore mm. I don't think like I rewatchable think it, films yeah I wonder if it was purely like I think it was a bit ahead of its time I think the ideas of it were slightly ahead of its time and it's probably one of those films it wasn't what people thought it was so then they didn't like it but it's yeah. very good so good really yeah. well done I mean this is a question I asked to sort of most people who make stuff are you still able to lose yourself in film and TV or do you find yourself watching like, oh, I know how they, you know, I wonder how they made that or are you looking at the craft of it or can you get lost? Yeah. Like- I don't know. I think I am finding it harder the more that I do. And we, I also, I have a podcast which has just started uh, releasing. But in that we sort of watch films and then we talk about them. And so mm-hmm. for that reason, I've been trying to watch films more sort of critically rather than to enjoy myself, just like to watch a film, to watch it and right. figure out how I feel about it. And so it's not even necessarily watching things to feel good or to enjoy myself yeah. um, or, you know, to not, you know, to cry or to feel scared or, you know, it's more just watching something objectively. And I think that it is definitely changing the way that I consume everything. I really struggle to get lost in things now. Do you think that's why you you haven't cried at a film in a while? Yeah, I do, actually. 
Yeah, I think the, the last one I cried at was Queen and Slim. Love that film. Yeah, that was like ugly, ugly cry. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get lost in something. I think in the early days when I was really analysing stuff, I had I had that, but then I, I I came out the other side. What well, What are some things that you just like do get lost in now? I should give them I, a go. I'm, I'm pretty good at switching off that side of me so that I can just love them. I'm sure I've said this well. The stuff that stresses me out. I mean, I can give you a perfect example in in fucking Game of Thrones. Any of those like big battle scenes. I find them difficult to watch because I'm so stressed about how you made that. <laughs> I'm oh, so yeah. stressed about, I'm so stressed about like reset, reset back to ones. And you go, there's a hundred horses here. How the fuck are you resetting? What do yeah. you mean? <laughs> how did you do that? That's true. Anything that I watch, which is kind of like large scale like that. Yeah. I just get PTSD. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 running you you running through armies of people. In my head, I go, "Were you standing around talking to the SAs? Like, what's happening? How often are you just in a massive group of people you don't know, and you're just hearing a voice say, run now?'" Yeah, and and how many of those big piles of dead people are actually just real people <laughs> lying down for hours and hours yeah. and hours? Yeah, it's ridiculous. That stresses me out to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no no tense music or yeah. you know that can get you out of that. You're just just wondering yeah. the just wondering about the AD having a nightmare. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many night shoots? <laughs> and a, you know, an essay looking into camera after an amazing one shot. Like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. But yeah. Tell me this: What is a film that it's not critically acclaimed? Much like Never Let Me Go, people don't really like it, but you love it unconditionally. Mm. Well, I don't ever know when things are critically acclaimed or not. I like burlesque. That is a perfect answer. Did it do well? I don't know. It did well amongst like all of my friends, people who. It, no, have that is taste. a perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> example. I think it was not very particularly well received. I don't think a lot of people saw it. And that's a really good answer. Yeah. Burlesque is such a good film. That's Cher and Christina Aguilera, is that right? It is, yeah. indeed. And I think Kristen Bell's in it with brown hair, which is just like, <laughs> who is this? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I like that film. I think the songs are great. 
I think the love story is hilarious and I think it's so cheesy and at the end of the day like they win and they buy the air rights or whatever and now I feel like big brain because I know what air rights are or yeah <laughs> well they don't want to get their club knocked down because mm-hmm. it's a burlesque club yeah. um and they all work there so there's like nice apartments that are built opposite and there's a guy who wants to you sort of knock down their thing and build also big apartments so they go to the people who built the other apartments and go oh look if someone builds in these bits of air in front of your apartments they're not going to be worth anything anymore and so they convince them to buy the air above their air rights. club i think it's called air rights but i think it is yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like right. i mean people are buying like air. square miles of like the square atmosphere air. or whatever what is it called the ozone layer i don't know not the ozone i'm learning layer. a lot here where they just want to build like sky hotels and stuff i feel like all of the big conglomerates are currently like bidding on sky rights. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Like, what is that called? You know, the bit of the space that just like orbits the orbit. I don't know. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> two <laughs> two scientists making their way. Out of- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's a film that you used to love? You loved it very much. And then you've watched it recently and you've got, oh, no, I don't like this anymore. Well, I don't know if I ever loved it. I just have familiar memories of watching it. But it's that uh, film with Kevin Bacon, Tremors. Tremors is great, isn't it? I ain't watched it in a while. No, yeah. I feel like I saw, I went and found some YouTube clips recently just to be like, this film. And then I was like, this looks terrible. (laughs) 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 But I thought the concept at the time was just ridiculous enough to catch my attention oh i'm sad to hear this i hope tremors holds up i haven't seen it in a long time yeah it's a lot of dirt and a lot of practical effects but to be honest with you i do much prefer like practical effects versus what we do now so maybe just for that reason i will still like it it was just embarrassing because I was like, this film is the most amazing film. It's such a good film. Oh, I can't believe you ever yeah. seen Trevor. Oh, I love this film. And I literally, <laughs> it's like one of those little like tunnels that kids play in, you know, yeah, with yeah. like a fake mouth and lots of just dirt being thrown by someone. <laughs> and it's just, I was like so embarrassed all of a sudden that I was hyping up this film. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's, you're back in. Um, <laughs> riddle me this, Maisie Williams. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but because the experience you had around seeing it, that will always make it special to you. I had a dream a couple of months ago, Mm -hmm. two months ago, and this thing happened in this dream. And then I watched Promising Young Woman and the exact same thing happened in Promising Young Woman. And so I was like... It was really, really, really weird watching it and it kind of made me go all cold. Well, I should probably say what the dream was because there's a lot of yeah. things that happen in that film which aren't great. Yeah. So uh, there, was, there was a dream. I was with someone that I know in real life and just bear with me because it's weird. We're looking for the most beautiful woman on earth because she's gone missing. Um, in the dream? And, yeah. Okay. And she's just like a person and everyone knows like, oh, she's the most beautiful woman on earth and she's missing mm. and that's like a real shame and we're like really 
you know, like all CSI and we're like, where is she? Like, we have to find her. We have to make sure she's safe. And then we catch wind that she is like in one of those little two man airplanes with this guy who is like just known to be kind of a sleazebag, but he's like very wealthy and like, just not a great person, but like, he's clearly trying to like swoon her and so Mm -hmm. me and my friend are like we have to make sure that she gets her back safely uh and so we get to the airfield and there's all the radio comms going on and we can see the plane coming into land and it's just like one of those little ones with like a little propeller at the front and like it's just like a little chuggy like plane Mm -hmm. and it's like pulling up to us and we can see them and we can see the guy there and he's like like he's just like sobbing like a child and it's so weird and they're getting closer and closer and we can't see her and it's like very confusing. And then as he gets closer, I realize that he's got like lipstick all over him and he's got like a bleeding mouth and he's like sobbing like a like a kid. Like it's embarrassing mm. and it's like annoying. And then like as like the plane goes in front of us, we look in and like the most beautiful woman on earth is there, but she's like dead and has suffocated and has makeup all over her and is like just completely ruined because he kissed her to death. Oh my God. It was so, so awful. And we were so angry and he was just crying like a child. And I was like, he just ruined the most perfect woman that ever, just the most perfect person in the whole world. And he just got so greedy and just got so, you know, that he just like destroyed her by what he thought was love, you know? And it was just like... And then, obviously, I watched Promising a Woman, and there's that whole end sequence, and yeah. there's lipstick on the pillow, like, all of that stuff. I was like, I have seen this before. Yeah. Okay. There's <laughs> a lot to unpack here. Well, I've got two things to say. It's, yeah, one, one, it's interesting you had a dream about a man kissing J-Lo to death, and that, <laughs> and that was very sad. Yeah. That's, that is awful, and, I, and I, I, I hope she never leaves us. But... <laughs> too it's interesting you know listen promising young woman is fucking incredible and i'm sure there's some there's a lot of this stuff it's like emerald fennell has hit something universal Mm. you know in that film there's something as specific Mm. as the film is it's also everyone can relate to it and it's Mm. and i think part of it is the imagery in it she's playing with the imagery that we see in Mm. culture and often in a more fun way or a sexy way or a mm. and she's sort of turning it all on her head so i can totally see why you'd how that all makes sense did the dream end with the plane just going past you yeah and like you know how in a dream you don't necessarily see everything but like you yeah. just understand all of the dots and i sort of realized that he had like kissed her until she just couldn't breathe anymore and just the image of that was so harrowing and I just woke up and I was completely cold through my whole body and was just so it was just really disturbing to think about but yeah one thing Mm -hmm. is that the dream was really harrowing and it made me feel just really awful right but never once did I actually see this woman in pain or, you Mm. know, in a vulnerable way, even though something very awful had happened. And I think that's what Emerald Fennell has done so well with Promising Young Woman is is that at no point is there an actress who you think, gosh, that must have been a really hard day for you on set. Mm. Because it's just, if a scene is like traumatic to 
film like is it actually worth our you know viewing especially when you can make an audience feel the way that you felt after you finished watching that film and no one needed to I mean someone got hurt but it's just like lots of ways of doing things and I think people immediately want to go to just the image of a woman being completely humiliated and ridiculed on screen and and Mm. you just don't need to do that to make people feel upset like, it, I think some people feel very upset by that image, but I think and other people don't. <laughs> I think it's mm. just kind of a like, you know, just accept that as like, you know, the only way that women can sort of overcome things, right? Is if you have yeah. something just really awful, awful happen and you are so vulnerable and humiliated. And yeah, it's just a different way of doing it. I think that's why so many people love love this film. Absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I think there's a thing... I've been on something where, and this this wasn't a sexual violence thing, it wasn't a thing like that, but where it was an image of a suicide, it was an image of a suicide, and it was very graphic. Mm. And I remember being like, I don't think you need to see all this. Like, it's very upsetting. This image is very upsetting, and it lasts for ages. And I remember sort of arguing, hey, you don't need to see this at all, and if you do need to see it, it definitely doesn't need to last this long. But I think... For the filmmaker, there's a there's a sense of, but look what we've done. We've made this thing and it's really powerful because you're feeling this stuff. But it's like, yeah, but I don't need to feel, the, I don't know, there's a there's a, a, a difficulty getting back into the head of an audience when you're making... I remember David Fincher talking about Fight Club years yeah. ago in an interview and people being very, up, very shocked when Fight Club came out by the violence. I remember him saying in an interview, and I really understood it, he was like, good. He was like, good, because we worked really hard to make it impactful and shocking and nasty and I'm so glad it worked I'm so glad you're all upset and I thought yeah I can see that you you know because it is just bits and pieces edited together Mm -hmm. that have that effect but still it has an effect and I I hear you fascinating yeah just being in tune with like the images that you show and how that makes other people feel and like sometimes those links aren't necessarily as like obvious as you would imagine and Mm. like sometimes having people look at very disturbing images doesn't necessarily make them feel sad it just makes them I don't know so it's just I think a lot of actors love to say like you don't I'm gonna paraphrase some great actor now (laughs) you don't need to (laughs) as an actor like you don't necessarily need to cry in order for other people to cry it's like people yeah you don't need to be like wailing and sobbing actually sometimes that just makes other people be like "Ugh, you're annoying shut up so if you want the audience to feel something then it's like it it doesn't mean that you just do that because the audience doesn't necessarily feel what that character's feeling they they you have mm. another perspective and so similar kind of, kind of thing I think just with yeah, storytelling yeah. in general it's like yeah it's just what the audience feels is actually different to what you portray or show and sort of cracking that is what makes a great director I guess yeah and it's ever-changing all that fascinating mm. absolutely fascinating <laughs> uh, what is the film what's objectively the greatest film of all time might not be your favourite, but it's objectively the best. Yeah, um, I would say The Matrix. Um, Great answer. Yeah, so I just, I mean, I think the trilogy is, like, incredible. Obviously, the first one is the best one. Yeah. But, yeah, I just think that it holds up. It's still, 
like one of the most visually interesting films that I've ever seen. I think the story is, I mean, we were talking about it. What is life? Are we in a, you know, is it all just, you know, I feel like it's so beyond its time, but it did well then and it still does well now. And it's just going to continue to be incredible. Like amazing cast, like what really blew my mind. It's just, we've just gone back so much. Like this film was so iconic such a diverse cast, such great female characters, loads of characters that are people of color. And then like you look at franchises now and you're just like, what did we do? Like, why did we like, yeah. this is what, this is what you're following. So like, why is it just so not good anymore? <laughs> you know? yeah, that's really smart. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean like, yeah. Story, costume, acting, score, like the whole, mm. the whole shebang is like really incredible. And two female directors, and they were kind of like, we're going to do The Matrix, and then, do you know what? We're going to do The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, that's been said enough, so good shout. What, uh, Maisie Williams, what's the sexiest film ever made? I watched Climax at the beginning of last year, but that's a good one because it's like sexy film, but it's terrifying as well. Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's a good film. I think the dancing in that is incredible. Yeah. The opening sequence of that is worth watching alone. Yeah, yeah, that is something. Yeah, that could have been could have been the answer for opening sequence. Maybe it will be. Who knows? Ooh, <laughs> find out in the Patreon. <laughs> uh, I mean, it sort of stops being a sexy film. Yeah, in, in my humble opinion, about thirty minutes in, but it is a sexy film. I actually just get so embarrassed watching like see like any film with like love scenes not any film but like most films because I just I think I know too much as an actor when you're just like oh I know that you two absolutely hate each other and I can see it all over your face and this is probably really awkward and you're probably like trying not to throw up right now and so when I watch it I just go like oh this is so gross this isn't real oh what about uh there's a subcategory to this question Maisie Travelling boners, worrying wide-ons. A film right. you found arousing, you weren't sure you should have. At the time, it was fine, I guess. I feel like everyone loves Peter Pan from... Is it just called mm-hmm. Peter Pan, that one? The young Peter Pan. The uh, PJ Hogan one? Yeah, I think so. But that's not necessarily worrying. Okay, I guess... Um... <laughs> Listen, he's a ma- he's, he's old, Peter Pan, isn't he? He's just... <laughs> He's also young. What's the what's the fish with the scar on Finding Nemo? Oh, okay. Actually, wait, no. You know Ponyo? Yeah. Ponyo's dad. <laughs> that is a lovely choice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Maisie? I'm going to say this. That is a classy choice. <laughs> Ponyo's dad. dad. That yeah. is a sign of class to that answering <laughs> that question. <laughs> okay, you can have Ponyo's Final dad. Answer. <laughs> I'm sticking with Ponyo's dad. Yeah. Worship me. <laughs> uh, what What's the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? I love Chicken Run. Nice. I love the pie sequence mm-hmm. the most. There's a piece from every animated film that I watched when I was a kid that is the main re- reason I watched the whole film, right? It's like a section. Yeah. Toy Story 2, it's when he starts cleaning the glass eye of Woody and painting his boot. 
and it's like mm. he's got you know like just these like moments in animations where you're just like oh this is so pleasing and yeah <laughs> the the pie machine and the way they like break out of the top of the pie and then they're like little chicken shaped holes and i just yeah, yeah. it's really really good that's yeah, good chat um we don't like to be negative here Maisie, but very quickly what's the worst film you ever saw i watched all th- i think there's like actually four or five jaws but jaws three is a piece of shit <laughs> jaws three sometimes 3d oh yeah 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 it's just mm. at the end the shark gets blown up or something and then mm. the shark's jawbone just flies up on but like the just the bone which is all yeah. of a sudden just not in his skin yeah. in its skin anymore and it just flies up and all of the bones just go into the shape of jaws three yeah. and it ends what the fuck i mean i like the I, I would quite like to reboot jaws 3d because jaws in a in a water park is a great idea <laughs> is a is a is a cool idea but yeah. i feel like he should have gone down more water slides yeah you know I mean? <laughs> he was always waiting at the bottom but i was like if you're gonna be in a water park put him get him up a ladder sometimes yeah like I've been chasing someone down a slide. Yeah, that's good. That's much better. Yeah, you're missing a whole lot of tricks here. Yeah. It's essentially Jaws in a pool. If you're just sticking with him at the bottom. Yeah, the it's ride, not. Yeah. Get him on the fucking kamikaze. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like when you're all, when you're going up the steps, you're like going through all yeah. of the like large intestine and then you get up yeah. and you come out of its mouth and then it like, ah, run away. This is right. We're before maybe. Maybe before our killing spree, we're going to reboot yours 3D. <laughs> um, you're very funny, Maisie Williams. What's the film that made you laugh the most? It's like a, probably a lot of people's choice, but it's just true. It, Bridesmaids is... Fantastic. Just, yeah, I don't know that I laugh out loud that much. And I usually laugh because the people that I'm with are laughing, but like Bridesmaids was one that I was just like, just from the minute go... It was yeah. just very, 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 very funny. Um, and it still is now. I still yeah. love to watch it. It's like the film that I put on when I can't sleep. I just watch Bridesmaids and take a nap. It's so good. I watched so it again the other day. Good. Holds up. Oh, completely. Holds up in every way. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the matrix of comedy films. I don't think it's been topped since. I can't think of a better... It is, I would say, you know, for for a comedy that is in the cinema, that Mm. is like, you know, it was a big box office studio film Mm. and like people love to make a big studio comedy and they're just never, well, not never, but it's just they're not always good and it's always disappointing and it just was not that, you know, (laughs) it was like it really did just nail its place in the in the world it's the hardest i do i do i genuinely think it's the hardest thing to pull off a big Mm. film comedy that appeals to many 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 people and is fucking funny Mm. might be the hardest of all the things yeah i'm putting it out there the the stars just aligned on that film incredible director incredible script cast were just phenomenal it's amazing watching comedies with actors that like comedies work so well when it's like a new act. Like one, none of these people had, were like you know, f- it was none of their first job, but it was just like the first like time that we'd been introduced to so many of these actors, and 
it's just the best because you just don't know what to expect and you don't know what their sort of like, you know, their go-to thing is. And so yeah. just everything is a delight to watch. And yeah. That's interesting. And also maybe you feel you sort of have ownership of them. Like, I found this person. They're so fucking funny. and Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Maisie Williams, you've been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. However, when you were drinking coffees at a rate of madness, just coffee after coffee after coffee, but it was ice, said that matter, you can't tell. <laughs> May as well be having milkshakes for all you care. Exactly. Up in your little house on the hill <laughs> with a giant spider on the roof. <laughs> and you were drinking coffee, drinking your coffees, and you had too much ice in one of the coffees and you had brain freeze. And at the same time, you were like, oh, I've got like an ice cream headache. And at the same time, you thought, oh, my chest feels a bit tight. And then your heart and your brain exploded instantaneously. In a way, it was fun, but it was very brief. I was walking about carrying a coffee, and you know what I'm like. And I was like, where's Maisie Williams these days? I see your tiny miniature house, and I, and I look inside the window, and there's your, <laughs> there's your broken body splattered all over the walls. Because when your heart exploded, literally exploded, so did your brain, splattered. And I, I mean, it looks like a Jackson Pollock all over the fucking place. And I've come in, I'm like, bloody hell. So I'm trying to scrape off much as I can. But I'm bringing bits of wallpaper with me. I'm bringing paint, <laughs> tiles off the floor, bits of bedding, all sorts. I'm stuffing it all in the coffin. The coffin was the size of you, but there's all this extra stuff. So now there's more of you than I was expecting. <laughs> stuffing it all in the coffin. I get it all in. There's really no, no room in this coffin now. There's only enough room. There's this much room that I can slide a DVD in the side with you you can take across to the other side and in heaven it's movie night every night what film are you taking to show the people of heaven when it is your movie night go Maisie Williams can it be a film I've already chosen it can be no you don't want it to be though do you it can be Ponyo it can be Ponyo for all the many reasons it's Ponyo and they'll go why are you why are you I'll go this is this is what life is like down there now I was a fish and then I was a girl and then I exploded and that's why I look like this. Uh, and they will be really grateful. Yeah. And they will say, and that is your legacy. Yeah. And uh, that's wonderful. Maisie Williams, <laughs> uh, you've blown my mind. I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything you'd like to tell people to look out for? You've got a film podcast, I believe. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Would you like to tell people about it? Yes. So it is... It's a film club for people who really love films but get flustered when asked to articulate why. <laughs> Safe space. Come and chat about films. We don't review films. We we have an opinion, but we more just talk about things and just practice talking about films. <laughs> Live on record for everyone to hear. Yeah, it's a barrel of laughs. There's four of us. We don't have guests yet but maybe we will eventually. Is there any anything else people should be looking out for? TV or film or plays or anything like that? Apps? Yes. Eventually, there will be a TV show coming out called Pistol about the sex pistols. Oh, cool. And it's... Is that Danny, Danny Boyle? It is. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and it's very good fun and I'm absolutely having the time of my life filming it it is the greatest thing I have ever worked on wow and so 
even if people don't love it, I actually won't feel a thing because it was incredible to make. That's but they will nice. love it. It's such a good story. It's, yeah. People, right. so that's that's going to come out sometime. Okay. Maisie Williams, you've been brilliant. It's up to you if you want to wait for Pistols to come out before we go on our killing spree. Uh, I guess <laughs> it depends on how much you believe in legacy. Uh, so just let me know. Pop me a text. I'm ready. The car is loaded and um, we can do this whenever you want. It could be a good publicity thing. Yeah, that's a great way. We need some eyeballs on this. That is a great way of doing it. Um, Maisie, you have been a pleasure. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank Uh, you. What fun. Good day to you. Thank you very much. And you. So that was episode 151. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 15 minutes of chat secrets with Maisie. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's very lovely to read and it helps numbers and it is really appreciated. Thank you so much to Maisie for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another amazing guest. So that is it for now. In the meantime... Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.